You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And on this edition, we're going to be discussing Aubameyang's farewell as Barcelona finally unveil the Gabonese striker as their latest signing. We'll be talking through Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's farewell message and whether it ended up being quite sad that he didn't get to say Goodbye to the fans. We'll be talking about Chris Wheatley's report in which he claims that Arsenal are planning to offer both Bukayo Saka and Mikel Arteta new contracts this summer. And we'll also be getting the download on Austin Trusty, Arsenal's January window signing that kind of went slightly under the radar because all the attention was focused elsewhere. Call it attention call it outrage in some people's cases, but we'll get on to that uh, in just a little bit. Lots and lots to work through, lots and lots to discuss. And a big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat at the moment. Hope you are all good. Hope you're all well. Um, and I hope this is a nice way of breaking up your day a little bit because um, I don't know about you guys, but since Christmas and New Year, I found it really difficult to get back into the swing of work and get back into the routine of things. I found the January window massively draining. I'm glad it's over now. And I'm actually looking forward to this period of time that we now have between Arsenal's uh, window closing, everybody's window closing, and of course, uh, the game that comes up against Wolverhampton Wanderers. So I'm kind of like looking forward to these next few days. We can have lots of different conversations that are not necessarily going to be dictated by action, but by discussion points that may or may not crop up. And uh, and we can have a bit of fun, a little bit more of a relaxed feel on the Chronicles of Aguna in comparison to what we were going through uh, during that January transfer window. Let me say a few uh, hellos. A uh, big hello to uh, Junior Gunner, uh, to Bad Boy, to Omar. Hope you're well. He says, afternoon, Mr. Harry. How are you and the kids doing? Lo- lovely question, that. All good, Omar. Um, all good. They're still uh, driving me absolutely mental and absolutely crazy. But as I say, with things not being as mental because of the transfer window, I'll hopefully get to spend a little bit more time with them um, when my nerves are not shattered. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we've got. A uh, big hello to Alexis Sanchez, not the Alexis Sanchez, I'm sure. Uh, Agamu is in the chat with us, as is uh, Matt, uh, Trevor, John, uh, Afsar, Kingsley, uh, Matt Tomo, Sam, hope you guys are all well. Right, uh, let's get into it then. Let's kick off by discussing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's farewell message. Now, of course, uh, it was confirmed this morning by Barcelona that the signing had been complete. We all knew it was coming. We all knew that it was done. Uh, from what I understand, Barcelona had registered him and you could see it on the La Liga website even ahead of that deal being announced at their end. We know that Arsenal agreed to terminate Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's contract. And we know that that was uh, something that was decided by mutual consent. And in the end, Aubameyang walked away from his Arsenal deal. But from what we're being told today, picked up a payout of around about £7 million. And I know a lot of people have gone, oh, here we go again. Arsenal paying people off. Arsenal paying people to leave. This is... The, the sign, the telltale sign of a really badly run club. But ultimately, 
he was never going to walk away from a contract in which he was probably due to pick up another, depending on who you believe, 20, 25 million pounds. He was never going to walk away from that for free, was he? There was always going to have to be some compromise. And I think although £7 million to pay someone off feels a little bit excessive, when you think about what we stand to save, actually, it's not the end of the world. And we've talked about this quite a bit on recent shows and the fact that, and, you know, Adrian Clark spoke about this on, on one of our episodes yesterday. I think the fact that the club are backing him in these decisions, that they're backing Mikel Arteta to move people on, even when it means finding funds for payouts. I think that's the biggest kind of indication that this club are all in on Mikel Arteta, whether we as fans like it or not. And um, and I think it's really interesting, you know, to, to see a club uh, take such a, a huge um, sort of, or to take a really particular stance over, you know, over a player, um, sorry, over a manager in the sense of backing him to the hilt, whatever it is that he decides to do. It's it's unusual in modern football. Normally, you get that kind of standoff between the club and the manager. And when it comes to Mikel Arteta, it feels as though they're still all in on him, which is interesting. And um, and that kind of ties into some of the news we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Oluduole David says, as usual, Harry making excuses. You kept on saying that he's left for free. Yeah, he's left on a free transfer. Therefore, hence, he's left for free. Um, I'm not making excuses, but surely you can see that spending £7 million for a player that you don't want and to get him off the wage bill makes sense when you stand to lose Twenty-five million pounds if he sits around and, and throws his toys out of the pram and refer, and and you know refuses to leave. Uh, it's not me making an excuse. That that's common sense. You you basically making a saving of what eighteen million pound? Uh, sorry, no. How much is that? how much is it? If it's seven million pound, take away twenty-five million pound. Twenty. My maths is awful. I know. Um, yeah, you you still making a saving of around about eighteen million pounds. That's that's just fact. It's not, you know, it's not me making an excuse for anybody. Um, let's go over and have a look at the message that Pierre Emerick Bamiang put out. He uh, took to social media and he remained quiet, hadn't he, throughout this whole uh, situation with Arsenal. He never commented on anything. He kept himself to himself and uh, he refused to kind of be drawn into uh, into discussions about it. At the time, I was a little bit critical of it because I thought that. Aubameyang had an opportunity via social media if he really felt wronged to kind of drive up some support in his corner and he didn't um, which suggests to me that he wanted out as well and he didn't want to run the risk of further upsetting or, or or pissing off basically the Arsenal hierarchy and then they would end up you know blocking any potential move or making his life a lot more difficult. I think at the time he probably felt that Arsenal would need to cover his, some of his wages to facilitate a loan move. And so maybe that was why he kept quiet, looking back at it in hindsight. But he came out and said this to the Arsenal fans. Thank you for making London home for myself and my family for the past four years. We went through ups and downs together and your support meant everything to me. Having the chance to win trophies and the honour of being the captain of this club is something I'll forever keep in my heart. I've always been 100% focused and committed on doing everything I can for this club, which is why leaving without a real goodbye hurts. But that is football. I'm sad I did not get the chance to help my teammates in the last few weeks. 
but I have nothing for nothing but respect for this club and truly wish all my guys and the fans all the best and many successful years in the future. Love, Oba. I think, look, he's, you know, it is, it is a shame that we didn't get to say goodbye to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang because as much as the last few months have been difficult, not just in terms of what's gone on with the falling out, but in terms of his form as well, which we'd all agree hasn't been up to scratch. I think we all recognise what a huge contribution he made to the club over the last couple of years. And all you need to do is rewind back in your mind to when he signed that new contract. And there wasn't an Arsenal fan out there that said, don't give him a new contract or that giving him a new contract was a mistake. I think some people maybe raised eyebrows about the amount of money that was on the table and the fact that we were making such a huge financial investment into a player of his age. But ultimately, sometimes you have to pay over the odds in order to get the players you want. It's just the way it is. It's it's the way of football. Um, you know, it's it's partly to, to keep them satisfied and it's partly to fend off others as well. And Arsenal decided to to do that. Um, at the time, it was a decision that I was very supportive of. Remember, it was coming off the back of uh, a wonderful FA Cup campaign in which he scored a brace in the semi-final against Manchester City and a brace in the final to win it for us uh, against Chelsea. And, and he, his stock was at an all-time high. So I understand it, but, um, you know, there's no doubt about it. His form has declined since. Um, and obviously, these off-the-field issues have contributed to him falling out with the coach, falling out with, you'd assume if he's falling out with the coach, with some of the members of the hierarchy as well. Um, and it is what it is. He's got himself a move and it's a pretty good move. You know, there are worse places in the world that you could play your football. And I'm sure Barcelona is of huge appeal to him. We, we found out during his uh, Peter Odenwingi uh, style trip to Barcelona earlier this week that he's got family there, that he's got uh, people of his own there in close proximity. So it feels like a good move and Barcelona could do with him. So, yeah, I think it's worked out quite well for everybody in the end. I think it is a shame that we didn't get to say goodbye. And it's a shame that his Arsenal career in, in some people's minds will be defined by what's happened over the last few months. But that's just the way football works. You know, um, I think that those who genuinely love the club and those who really do um, appreciate and understand what it is that he gave us over those last few years will still have fond memories over Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, whose goal record speaks for itself, who's, you know, if you look at the direct contributions that Aubameyang made in front of goal during his time at Arsenal, you have to say it's been brilliant. But as as was brought to everybody's attention yesterday, I, I brought up a quote, didn't I, um, from uh, an article and a piece that was written in The Athletic. And I just want to share it again, because I think this this really does resonate uh, with me anyway. And one of the lines from it, um, the most successful periods in Arsenal's history from the 30s through to Wenger's teams can be attributed to the visionaries who dared make decisions others wouldn't. And and I think that's really key. I think that I'm not saying that we should blindly agree with every decision that the manager or the club makes because we're fans, we're very invested, we're very engaged. You could argue that football fans today in, in 2022 are much more educated in the sport and in the ongoings than we've ever been before. And so for that reason, we we have a right to form our own opinions. But we, you know, we often we'll see decisions that we disagree with. And, I, and as I keep saying, 
we are not managers. We are not the people calling the shots. We have the benefit of hindsight. We get to look back on decisions 12 months down the line um, without losing our jobs and 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 decide whether or not they were the right calls and the right shouts. And for Mikel Arteta, that isn't the case. For Arsenal, that isn't the case. Uh, they will have to make decisions based on what they think at the time. And ultimately, they'll live and die by them. You know, we have left ourselves very short in the striking department, and that is obviously a concern and a worry. But as I've been saying throughout the latter stages of the window, if it was too far gone with Aubameyang, if there was no chance of him returning to the side, if he was definitely uh, not going to play, then moving him on, getting a bit of money in for him in terms of, well, not physically getting money in, but saving uh, a chunk of money to move forward, um, I think was you know, was uh, was really important. And I think that in the end, as I say, although it's sad to see him go and it's sad that uh, that farewell message kind of pulls on a few heartstrings because of the fact we didn't get to say goodbye, he didn't get to say goodbye. I think it's the best possible outcome for everybody. And, and I'm hoping and praying that letting another forward go uh, doesn't come back to bite us on the arse. Um, and as I keep saying, let's wait and see if it does before we lose our minds about it. But yeah, it is what it is with Aubameyang. He's, he's in Barcelona. I've just prior to coming on onto this uh, live stream, I've just watched uh, one of his interviews with Barcelona. He looks quite happy to be there. Um, and understandably, look, he's not he's not left Arsenal and gone and joined a mediocre football club. Barcelona are not uh, performing at the level we all know they can at this moment in time. But they're still a huge, huge football club. And uh, and some would argue that it's been it's a step up for Aubameyang. So he can't be too upset. He can't be too disappointed. Uh, with what's going on. And he's got himself a contract, I think, until 2025. Uh, although there is a, a, an option in there to terminate it if both parties agree earlier than that. But he was not going to get a deal at Arsenal beyond this one that would have taken him to 2025. And remember, uh, of course, his deal just had 18 months remaining. So we would have got to the summer very much in a position of we need to think about what we're going to do with Aubameyang here. We either extend him or we try and sell him. And when you sell a player of his age and given all the history that's happened in recent months, you know, you're not going to get a lot of money for it to be worthwhile. You're probably not going to get more than the £18 million or whatever it is. We just worked out Arsenal will be saving in his wages, even having given him that payoff. So that's where I am on Aubameyang's farewell. Um, it is a shame. Uh, the payoff is something that unfortunately needed to happen uh, in order to facilitate this deal. It's never ideal when you've got to pay someone to leave. But, uh, of course, it is what it is. And it's something that, that couldn't be helped. It was something that needed to happen. Let's move on and talk a little bit about Chris Wheatley's recent reports in which he says that Bukayo Saka and Mikel Arteta are both uh, due to be offered new contracts come the summer. And I want to start off with the Bukayo Saka one because Bukayo Saka signed a new contract with the Arsenal back in July 2020. And his current deal still has another couple of years, um, another two and a half years, actually, to run, uh, which is what makes this interesting. You know, it's it's really interesting that Arsenal are appearing to be proactive in the contract negotiations with players that, who they feel have huge importance to the team and who they feel will be uh, very big players in our future. Because in the past, we've not done this. In the past, what's happened is We've allowed players to uh, get quite the way down their contracts, get into a place where, uh, you know, 
their level was elevated and now they're a much more important part of the side than they were. But maybe their contract hasn't always reflected that, which then leads to them wanting to run down that contract on the basis that they can get more elsewhere. And I think Arsenal have made a lot of mistakes like that in the past. So it's really interesting to see that Arsenal are being proactive, that even with someone who's got two and a half years remaining on their contract, because they believe he will be such a key part of the team moving forward and because they value uh, his impact, are looking to do a deal now. And and what we're reading and what we're understanding is that this deal will not only extend Bukayo Saka's stay at Arsenal, but it will also reflect his importance to the team, i.e. he's going to get more cash, he's going to get more money. Um, and, and that's the way you have to work in football. And sometimes it works out, you know, sometimes it works out brilliantly. And sometimes you're looking back on it and you're saying that is a masterstroke. And sometimes you'll look back on it like we did with Aubameyang and say, you know what, with hindsight, it wasn't necessarily the right decision. But we don't, you know, as I keep saying, we as fans, as commentators, as people who cover the club, who look back on the club, who analyse the club's every move, we have the benefit of hindsight when coming to conclusions. Those guys in those positions, they have to act today and they have to work on the premise of what they believe is the right decision. And, and sometimes that will be wrong. It's just the way of the world. Um, but yeah, look, not against it, not against Bukayo Saka getting a contract extension. Clearly a very, very important player. Uh, clearly someone that um, a lot of people feel is worth investing in. And, and so I back Arsenal in this decision and I back Arsenal in wanting to do this. I mean, it, it makes sense. It really, really does. The Mikel Arteta thing, on the other hand, is is the one that's up for debate and it's the one that's going to spark plenty of controversy. Now, this is not the first we've heard of reports Arsenal plan to offer uh, the Spaniard a new deal. If you remember, uh, probably about a week or so ago, uh, just before the back end of the transfer window, people were talking about this. And when he flew out to the United States uh, to meet up with KSE, a lot of people felt that that was a trip uh, designed or, or a trip with the purpose of him going over there to, to cross the T's and dot the I's on this brand new contract that he was supposedly going to be offered. And what I would say is if Arsenal get back into Europe, um, having built a young, fresh, vibrant team, if Arsenal can do what I believe will be very difficult and get back in the Champions League in particular, there will be no doubt in my mind that Mikel Arteta um, will have deserved uh, a new contract. I Put it this way, if Arsenal finish in the top four, I would give Mikel Arteta a contract extension. I would. A contract extension doesn't mean that you can't sack someone. It just protects you against them walking away. And I think that if Mikel Arteta was to get Arsenal back in the top four, given the really positive reputation he seems to have uh, around the game at the moment, despite some Arsenal fans not being convinced, I think there will be people circling. And I think it's important that you tie him down in the event that he gets us back into Europe and in particular in the Champions League. But I just think that Arsenal could do a better job here of reading the room because often, you know, you, you'll get division in fan opinion. OK, and you'll get division um in every subject, often the ones that disagree and and are in discontent, uh, feel discontent, are uh, the loudest, and often they can seem like the majority when they're not. But I would genuinely say that when it comes to the Mikel Arteta discussion and whether or not he's the right man to take Arsenal forward, it is honestly split down the middle. I, I really do think that. I think it is really 
and truly split down the middle. And I think Arsenal would be wise to read the room and read the, the mood of the fan base, put their ears a little bit closer to the ground and try and understand exactly what people are feeling about Mikel Arteta and delay any announcement until the end of the season. Um, you know, because I think if if you go and hand Mikel Arteta a contract now, and listen, they might agree it between themselves, but it doesn't need to come out. If that's what you want to do, if you, you know, at the end of the day, KSE will be calling the shots. If KSE decide that this is what they want and that they're going to trust him for, for longer, we might not like it as a fan base, but that's their prerogative. They're the owners of this football club and, and they will do what they feel is is the is is the right decision from their perspective and i don't always like that and i don't always agree with that but what i'm simply saying is that this is not something that needs to be done in this season this is not something that needs to be done between now and may and i just think by doing it now okay it kills some of the speculation around his future because there will be some fans who are against Mikel Arteta who might just go well he's going to be here now so f it let's just get behind him but there will be others um, that, you know, that will be up in arms. And I just think it creates an unnecessary toxicity in and around the place. And so I don't want Arsenal to announce anything on Mikel Arteta until the end of the season. Personally, I, I don't think I would give him a new contract until we get to the end of the season to be able to assess where we are and have a look. So I'm not saying that he should automatically get a new contract. I'm simply saying that if that is KSE's intentions, regardless of what you or I think, They'd be wise to keep it on the wraps and keep this to themselves. I think they'll be quite disappointed, actually, that this is even leaking out anywhere. Um, but, you know, again, and, and I'm not saying that Chris Wheatley's doing this because I think Chris Wheatley's fantastic and he often brings brilliant stories to the table and, and often does them um, through some having some wonderful connections. So this is not specific to Chris Wheatley, not in any way, shape or form, but his contract, Mikel Arteta's, that is, is due to expire in June 2023. Okay, so he'll be going into next season with that being his last. So it's it makes sense as a story, doesn't it? So what I'm saying is that even if um, the club didn't want this to leak out or did their utmost to leak it out, it's one of those stories which, as I said to you before, people will write anyway. And, and it's a bit like shooting in the dark and hoping you hit the target. Um, people will do that because of the situation, because the the scenario fits that plan of action. And often you see that in football. You know, you really, really do. Uh, let's just quickly bring you uh, up to speed with a couple more bits and then we'll start taking some of your questions from the live chat box. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. There's over 200 of you with us live right now, but we've only got 45 likes on the board. So let's try and drive that up as far as possible. And uh, we're around about 250 subscribers away from hitting 19,000 here on YouTube alone, which is our next milestone. And if we get there, that will take our overall subscribership on the Chronicles of Aguna across the two platforms up to um, around about 33,000, which is unreal. Uh, so please do uh, hit the like button on the uh, YouTube channel uh, and subscribe to it if you haven't done so already. Also, if you're listening via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review. If you are listening via audio right now, we're going to take a brief pause for a message from our sponsors, Athletic Greens. 
Right, uh, let's continue through some of the chat and let's move on to an interview that Jack Wilshire gave today. Now, Jack Wilshire has been talking to Arsenal about his time at the club, obviously having returned and having been handed a bit of a lifeline by Arsenal in terms of getting himself back in training uh, and getting himself, uh, you know, in and around the right environment to progress in his coaching career, etc., etc. Now, we heard at the back end of the transfer window that there were a number of championship clubs, as well as a couple on the continent who were courting Jack Wilshire and were interested in potentially taking him uh, under their wing and taking him on board. But uh, nothing has materialised just yet. That's not to say it won't. Remember, Jack Wilshire is a free agent and can sign for anybody um, outside of the window, which is obviously interesting. Um, but as it stands, he's still at the Arsenal. And, and Jack Wilshire has been obviously highly complimentary of the fact that Arsenal gave him a chance, that he's been allowed to be involved. He's currently on the club's Dubai training camp as well. But he's also been speaking about the opportunities he's had on the coaching front and how it's developed him as a coach to work with some brilliant ones within the Arsenal setup. He uh, was asked about some of the young players. Who should we be keeping an eye on? Who should we be watching? He talked about the standards set by both uh, Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka and that that was the benchmark, but that young players could feel confident at Arsenal that they would be given the opportunity if they deserve it. And, and obviously that's big, right? That's important when trying to attract some of the best young talent. As I've said before, we're not going to go out and compete with City and Chelsea and United in terms of what they're going to spend on players. And we have to be clever and we have to be smart in the way we blood youngsters through. It's really important that Arsenal identify talents uh, at an early stage in their careers, bring them into the club, give them that final bit of education that's required and then embed them and, um, and push them into the first team. So, you know, I'm really confident that that side of things at Arsenal is working really well at the moment. But there was one bit in particular that really jumped out at me, and it was about Gabriel Martinelli. Um, he talked about what a wonderful player he is and that he's someone that really needs to be watched. He talked about how he trains the way he plays every single day. And he actually described the way Mikel Arteta's handled Gabriel Martinelli as, and I quote, genius. Now, I'm not going to go as far as saying it's genius, but I do think that Mikel Arteta has managed Gabriel Martinelli in a really smart way. I think there were a lot of us who thought we knew better last season who were saying, why is he not playing? Why is he not being given more opportunities? Why is he not getting a game? Why is he not getting a run out? And, and as I keep bringing up, Gabriel Martinelli himself spoke about how important it was that his recovery uh, from that knee injury was managed in the right way and that there was a clear plan and strategy from Arsenal's medical staff to ensure that he... Um, to ensure that he was managed in the right way and hopefully minimalised or which hopefully minimalised or reduced the risk of that injury flaring up again. Um, and I think we did that really, really well at the start of this season without Arsenal, with Arsenal not being in Europe. The FA Cup obviously didn't kick in until January. His game time was limited and his opportunities were limited. But since he's come in the team and since he's performed, he has been a regular and he's been rewarded for the positive performances. But I would also say, and I know a lot of people perhaps disagree with this, that tactically he's evolved incredibly well. I think he's learned a lot uh, under Mikel Arteta as a coach, a coach, by the way, who has been quoted um, or, or has been credited, I should say, uh, with the development of lots of top wingers at Manchester City. Uh, and, and I think what's really important about Martinelli and what's really different about his game now, as opposed to maybe 12 months ago, is that he seems to play in bursts. He used to 
play at 100 miles an hour was a bit of a headless chicken at times, despite having brilliant, um, you know, brilliant talent and and obviously that tenacity that we all know he, he brings in an abundance. I think he did lack a little bit of tactical maturity. And I think that that's really improved and he's really developed in that sense. He seems to know when to turn it on and when to be a little bit more reserved. He seems to understand when to press and when maybe to sit off. And I think that's a development and that's something that comes as you learn the game better and it's part of your football in education. So, uh, yeah, I think he's um, I think he's done brilliantly since he's he's been in the team. And, um, you know, the talent was always there. I'm not crediting or attributing that to Mikel Arteta. But I think he's been managed in a far more effective way than people were willing to give Arsenal credit for um, uh, maybe six, eight, nine months ago. So I think that's important and it's important that we bring that up. Uh, moving on, I just wanted to talk quickly about our new signing, Austin Trusty. Now, this signing kind of went under the radar a little bit, didn't it? Because everybody was sitting there refreshing their Twitter feeds on deadline day, hoping that Arsenal were going to announce a bit of a madness and a bit of a, uh, a marquee signing. That wasn't to be and the signing of Austin Trusty, who will remain with the Colorado Rapids on loan until the end of the season. And then the plan, as we're told by Arsenal, is that he will then go out on loan in Europe and gain some experience. But this would have been a huge day in this young kid's life. And, and we, because of our frustrations, maybe at a lack of business in other areas, just went, uh, not really a big deal. We'll just kind of overlook this. And I didn't really like that. But um, And I felt a little bit bad about doing that. But actually, uh, read a piece uh, earlier on today on HITC.com, uh, in which uh, Dylan Walsh, uh, who you can follow on Twitter, actually, uh, I follow Dylan on Twitter, and this is how this uh, this came about. Uh, he sat down with uh, Colorado Rapids reporter Matt Pollard to found out, find out a little bit more about the defender. Um, and this is what he had to say on him. He said, Trusty has all the physical attributes to play at centre-back. He's great in the air in both boxes. And in the last two years, since moving to Colorado, he's improved his defending and positional play. Uh, he's nicknamed Oss the Boss uh, by the local media. Uh, and he's come on leaps and bounds in the last 12 months. Um uh, and he's obviously just 23 years old. Uh, so lots to be positive about. But I think uh, the, the I think that the common consensus is that he's not quite ready to come in and have an impact in the team just yet. And hence why he'll be going out uh, on loan. I was a little bit kind of, um, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit unfair uh, in my assessment of this transfer initially when I said that, you know, coming from Colorado Rapids, a club obviously... Uh, part of KSE, it felt like a bit of an accounting trick or something. But yeah, look, if he can offer us something in the future, great. Um, if he doesn't, I don't think it was a significant fee. And I don't think it's something that we're we're going to necessarily sit and, and worry about in the future. Sometimes you have to take these gambles. Sometimes you have to take these risks. And uh, yeah, I wish him all the best. And I look forward to keeping a close eye across his development. OK, let's take some of your thoughts and some of your questions from the live chat box for the remaining sort of 15 or so minutes of the show. We might go a little bit longer, depending how good the questions are. Uh, Junior Gunner says, uh, rank prime RVP, Alexis and Oba, hatred aside. This is a really interesting question because is it... Um, <laughs> am I basing this on their talent or am I basing this on their impact for the club because i think talent wise i don't think there's a debate about this i think robin van persie sits right at the top of this particular tree if you're talking about talent 
I think his technique was wonderful. He's a generational type uh, player in terms of his ability. And that left foot of his was just wonderful. And it was a joy to watch him. Um, Alexis Sanchez, tenacity uh, that uh, of which the likes I've not seen at Arsenal, maybe since Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, oh, sorry, I haven't seen since Alexis. And maybe I'm seeing it for the first time in Gabriel Martinelli. But a wonderful player too, and capable of winning you a game by himself, as was Aubameyang. All three of those were match wingers, uh, winners. I think in terms of talent, I think Robin Van Persie was the best. Um, I think Alexis Sanchez was probably more impactful for Arsenal than Aubameyang. And I'm just... I'm only going to say that because he did it for the whole time. I think Aubameyang, the last 12 months or so, although he still scored a respectable amount of goals, was was clearly not at his best. So um, I'm going to go RVP, Alexis and Aubameyang. And uh, let me know your thoughts on that in the chat box. Uh, let's take uh, this super chat from Daniel. Daniel, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. He says, I will really miss Aubameyang. He became one of my heroes. I wish him good luck at Barcelona. Yeah, look, I think, Aubameyang will always be remembered as a, as a hero um, at this football club and someone who brought us glory. He brought us a trophy, as I said earlier, pretty much single-handedly. I think you've got to give him credit for that. Um, and I think you've got to, um, I think you've got to, to recognise the impact that he had at the football club. I think we'll miss him in some ways, um, but I think he was part of a necessary transition that needs to happen at this football club in order for us to move forward. And, Fingers crossed we don't miss him too much. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's take some of uh, your questions from the chat. Uh, Ron Stone says, do you think that Arteta will have more faith in Pepe following his good performances at the AFCON? We don't want to burn Saka out. Will Arteta rotate Saka with Pepe more or mainly use Pepe as a sub? Look, I'm not really sure what the answer is with Nicolas Pepe because I think that it's clear that Bukayo Saka is so much more effective from the right than he is from the left. And Nicolas Pepe is clearly someone that wants to play from the right. You look at the left-hand side and we've got Martinelli and Emil Smith-Rowe doing battle for that position. And therefore, it's unlikely that you're going to dislodge one of those to bring in Pepe, particularly given what I was saying earlier about how Martinelli's taken his opportunities and has really flourished. I think with Pepe, though, I think he deserves a lot more praise than he gets. And I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism. I think a lot of people uh, refer to him in a disrespectful way when actually, in terms of his outputs and in terms of what he produces, when given opportunities, he's quite consistent. Uh, and he's a lot more consistent than some of the players in and around him. I think he's got a massive role to play now because we're light in the forward position. Um, I'm not saying that the answer is to move Nicolas Pepe in as a striker. I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I still think that Lacazette is obviously the primary option. I would still put Martinelli there ahead of Enketia, but Enketia is an option too. Um, but I think what Pepe needs to do is when given those opportunities or what Mikel Arteta will be hoping to get out of him is by giving him a bit more game time, keeping him a little bit more involved and him moving maybe one more place up the pecking order, it might spark him into life. And, and Nicolas Pepe, who contributes goals and assists, as we all know he can do, is a, is a real asset. And, and I think that with the lack of or the failure, if you want to call it that, to bring in another forward during this window. We need goals from other places. And I think that Nicolas Pepe has, has not really done it this season, but op obviously opportunities have been limited, but we know from last season that he can. So yeah, I think he's going to be important. I really, really do. 
Uh, Matt Tomo with a cool question. Who has the highest ceiling between Saka Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe and Odegaard? I'm going to say Martinelli. Um, I think Emil Smith-Rowe has a higher ceiling than Saka, uh, just because I think he's more naturally talented. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as an athlete, though, as Bukayo Saka. Um, I think he's got more of a football brain. I know people would disagree with that again, but I, but I'm a little bit biased because I love that type of creative player. I love Odegaard's style. I love Smith Rowe's style. Um, I, I feel like Martinelli's probably at the top of that list. Um, and what I mean by that is I could see him being the one that Real Madrid or, or someone else uh, of, of huge esteem come in and look for. Um, but they're all brilliant. And that's what's so exciting about this Arsenal team. And it's why I keep saying to people, don't lose your minds that we didn't bring anybody in. You know, don't worry about what we don't have. Focus on what we do have, nurturing that. And then we look to kind of complement that and enhance that by being um, smart in terms of uh, in and around those guys. Uh, let's see what else we've got in the chat box. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, Hans says, uh, did you see what price Barcelona set their league obli obligated release clause at for Aubameyang? I think it was 100 million. Um, no one's going to pay that, are they? Good. Uh, Kingsley Opara says, uh, what do you make of the people who say Arsenal don't learn from their mistakes due to the number of free transfers? I think they are short-sighted. I think they're short-sighted too. And the reason I do think that is because the, the transfers that we're, we're doing, these free transfers, they're not Arteta players. You know, with the exception of, of Willian who come in very low risk, didn't work out. We moved him on quickly. The players that we're moving out on free transfers, whom we're having to terminate their contracts, who we're having to essentially force out the door, are players that represent the two previous regimes that we all know now were, were not right for us. So I think that if it was, if, if we were seeing a number of Mikel Arteta's players being moved out on free transfers and having their contracts terminated, then I'd start to ask questions. But even Aubameyang, although he was very much Arteta's man at the beginning and was the captain and uh, in, in a lot of ways gave Mikel Arteta the FA Cup, the, the only major trophy that he has to his name, I think that he was never really his man, if you know what I mean, in the sense of he didn't bring him in, maybe didn't have that deep investment in him. Um, and maybe if he did, the, the whole situation around his ill discipline might have been handled slightly differently. It might have been handled in a way where more leniency was shown. I don't know. Uh, but I agree with you. It's, it's you know, I think we have learned, but I think we're still dealing with the hangover of those mistakes in the past. Uh, don't forget, guys, please do hit the like button. I can see we're still 25 or so likes away from hitting the magic 100 mark. Uh, so please uh, do hit that uh, if you can. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, da, da, da. Uh, Palash says, um, Harry, between Spurs and United, who worries you more after the window ins and outs for the top four competitor spot? It's always going to be Man United for me because I thought they'd get it at the start of the season. And although they've had some wobbles and some difficult times and it's led to a managerial change, at the end of the day, Manchester United just have so many match winners within that group that they don't even always need to perform at their best to win football matches. Uh, so I still think that Manchester United are the favourites for the top four. Um, I think it's really even between us and Spurs because I think we've got a, a more talented group in a lot of ways and a young group that and a, and a really close-knit group. And, and at Tottenham, it's a bit mishmash and it's, you know, hangovers from previous managers and 
bad signings or, or players that came in under Pochettino that didn't really do it. And then players that came in under Mourinho and then Nuno Espirito Santo and now Antonio Conte. But obviously with Tottenham, what, what levels them with us, in my opinion, and what makes it so close is that they have a really good and experienced manager in Antonio Conte. And that's one department um, in which they trump us. Let's see uh, what else we've got in the chat box. I'm going to take a couple more, I think. Uh, Junior Gunner says uh, people speak about Martinelli as if he's going to emulate Arnine's career. Yeah, look, he's got the potential. But as I always say, Junior Gunner, potential means nothing unless fulfilled and unless maximised. And and it's really difficult to know whether someone's going to do that, right? Because there are so many things that come into play there. He's not going to emulate R9. Um, you know, for me, R9's up there with Messi and Ronaldo in terms of his ability and in terms of his talent. I know people would argue that those guys have done it for longer and more consistently over a longer period. But R9 at his peak, for those of you that are old enough to remember, was unplayable. Unplayable. Go on YouTube and type in R9 compilation. Unreal, honestly, unreal. Um, and and that is what you call uh, a talent, a generational talent. Don't get those players coming uh, along all too often. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Taiwan says, uh, why do you think Saka would re-sign a contract without Champions League when he will have the pick of the bunch next year? Um, yeah, it's an interesting point and it will obviously be a factor, but I think this is again why Arsenal are probably trying to move early to, if not tie Bukayo Saka down to the club for the next however many years, just to protect themselves against club circling. And so that if Bukayo Saka does have a change of heart, does feel that Arsenal is no longer the place for him and does feel like the club and his uh, ambitions no longer match, then at least we're protected and at least we can go out there and, and demand the top fee uh, and bring in the kind of money that will allow us to hopefully replace him. I think that's that's what a lot of this is about, and it's what we've done so badly. If you think back to, uh, you know, Robin Van Persie, if you think back to so many players, we we weren't proactive in the contract stuff, and we got to the point where at the end of the day, we had to let them go, and in some cases for fees, but fees that no way were rep- representative of their challenge, uh, representative of their talent. Sorry all over the shop this morning. I've only had one coffee, probably need another one. Yeah, you know, we've allowed players to leave for fees that have not been representative of their talent. And that's that's what one of the things that Arsenal's done so badly over the years. And it's one of the reasons we steadily declined, I feel. Um, but that's another rabbit hole to get down and we'll, we'll do that another day, I'm sure. Uh, Terence Tibbs says, prime Maradona in this era would be miles better than Ronaldo or Messi. Maradona's the goat for me. Um, Unreal, uh, unreal talent. And and as you say, when you think about uh, the way he was chopped and hassled and, and fouled almost, you know, <laughs> every few seconds, that would never be allowed in the modern day game. And he was so strong and quick in the turn and, and amazing. Uh, the only thing with Maradona is obviously he had a lot of off the field issues um, that, you know, maybe would have impacted his uh, physicality and now where the modern game is is so big on all of that stuff um you know and and obviously players are in better condition today than they ever have been you might argue that it falls short in that sense but talent wise i agree with you for me he's the goat um and and obviously the the drugs bit aside because i know people are bringing that up in the chat 
um you know he had his demons and um everybody has their troubles everybody has their difficulties uh diego maradona you, you know you only need to i don't know if anyone's seen the um, recent documentary about diego maradona that was made by uh, asif kapadia that was really really good um and what that does is it focuses in on his time at napoli and when you watch that the fame and and the the kind of the lifestyle this guy had to enjoy you can understand why it was quite a lot to take on and quite a lot to deal with and he turned uh, down a bad road to kind of try and help him live with that and handle that and obviously it worked out really badly in the end and it led to loads of complications in his life later on too but what i'm trying to say is i think for me um diego maradona you know in those days there weren't agents wrapping you around in cotton wool you didn't have pr people you didn't have all of that you didn't have people looking after you um the way that they do now uh, a modern superstar but diego maradona had to take all of that on and on himself and, and and by himself and i think he um he struggled with that as i'm sure a lot of us would so i don't want to be judgmental like i don't want to say oh you know we we have to dismiss maradona's talent because he took drugs you know, I've I've come across plenty of people in my life who I thought were, who I still think are, are wonderful people and who mean the world to me, um, and, and I regard as as close friends and as as family members or whatever, who will have made decisions in their life that I, I don't agree with. But it is what it is, you know. Um, but as Terence said, you're right to highlight Maradona in the conversation of of the greatest of all time because he's certainly uh, in that company. There's no doubt about it. Okay, just 12 likes away from hitting the 100 mark. Come on, guys, let's get there by the time the outro plays. We've come to the end of the podcast. I'll be back later on today on this very channel, 5.30 p.m. Uh, myself and Tom Canton uh, of the Guna Talk TV will be doing our weekly crossover show. It's the first one we're going to be doing since the transfer window slammed shut. So I look forward to getting Tom's thoughts uh, and having a bit more of a general Arsenal discussion, 5.30 p.m. here live on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. And that will be available in podcast format from first thing tomorrow morning. Also, you can check out my recent chat with Adrian Clark, uh, former Arsenal man, pundit, broadcaster, etc., uh, etc. Et does a bit of everything, does Adrian, but he's brilliant. Always very level-headed, always very calm and always very insightful. Adrian, join me on an episode yesterday, which you can find on the channel or if you're an audio listener on the feed, please do check that out as well and let us know your thoughts in the comments. We'll be back very, very soon with more, in fact, in around about four hours time. Until then, take care of yourselves and uh, have a great day. All the best. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.